Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Michael Reed Show. Thursday morning, the 23rd of January. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11 a.m. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. General election fever set in last night. Election fever or was it yellow fever? Probably the latter, but is there a vaccine that could have stopped one mosquito from trying to sting the other? Taoiseach Leo Bracker and Fianna Fáil leader Micheál Martin went head-to-head last night in a leaders' pre-election debate. Pat Kenny was the moderator on Virgin Media Television. Good evening and welcome. On February the 8th, the country will vote and decide who they want to lead the next government. They called it the big debate. The big debate finished well past my bedtime, but it wasn't just because it was so late before it ended that made it hard to stay awake. I wish this was the big boring debate. A case of two boring men in suits trying to outdo each other. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything you can be, I can be greater. Sooner or later, I'm snipe, greater than snipe, you. Snipe, snipe, no, snipe. Yes, boring, boring, boring. Devoid of fission. Is this the cutting edge of Irish politics? What can we look forward to living here over the next five years? Well, our next leader, it seems, will be a stuffy, prudent, conservative man in a grey suit who promises to put an extra fiver in our pockets every week. The alternative, and this is where democracy and choice kicks in, because the alternative is a different stuffy, prudent, conservative man in a grey suit, but this one promises to take five euro a week office, or something like that. Okay, it was only a debate, and as leaders and as parties, it is all a bit more nuanced than I'd have you believe, but the point I'm making is if we go to vote next month for one so-called right-of-centre party over a different right-of-centre party, Is there any point in it? Was anything interesting said? No, not really. But when nothing was said, the few viewers who were still awake found this pregnant pause very interesting. An honest answer, have you ever taken illegal drugs in any shape or form? No, I never have. Have you ever You know, I answered that question and I hopped press into you about 12 or 13 years ago and I answered it truthfully. Which is? Which is? (laughs) The answer that you did. Yes, but it was obviously a long time ago. Gavin Riley, political correspondent with Virgin Media News and political columnist with the Meath Chronicle, is on the line. Can you be any more enthusiastic about the discussion last night than I have been? Well, firstly, thanks for the hospital 
possible pass in trying to ask me to talk up what my audition did last night after that sort of critique. Uh, uh, the, the one point in which I think I absolutely would agree with you, and my takeaway from it all, is that we did hear an awful lot of, not necessarily anything you can do, I can do better, but anything you can screw up, I can screw up to a lesser degree. Uh, mm. Because an awful lot of it was mud flinging from one side to another, or one side said, well, look what you did in your 14 years, and the other side said, well, look what you did in your nine, and none of it very glowing. And what I actually thought was, was slightly surprising was that neither of the two leaders ever seemed to really get around to talking about their visions for the future and the good stuff that they wanted to do. That if you think of uh, Fine Gael running on a platform of a future to look forward to and Fianna Fáil running on a platform of an Ireland for all, mm. I don't think either side really would be terribly happy with putting their best foot forward to explain exactly what that would be. I mean, Leo Varadkar talked about, yes, some of the things that they see as more humane that they've done in the last nine years, like reversing cuts to the minimum wage or increasing different payments to different social welfare recipients or undoing some of the worst excesses of austerity that were inherited from Fianna Fáil, and that's all well and good. But we didn't hear very much about, you know, the, the, the tangibility or the success of, you know, we want to make it free for every child in the country mm. to visit a doctor so that no parent can ever go to bed stressed about their child's health, etc., etc. And, and in what instances that we did hear of a party putting forward an idea like that, it was rubbished pretty comprehensively. Like, for example, when Leo Varadkar said, you know, we want to give free GP care to every child, we were pointing out that, in fact, it was very difficult to even get them as far as under sixes. So facing it in for under 18s is going to be a serious challenge. But on the other side, Michal Martin's big gambit of the SSIA-style savings top-up for for people trying to save for their home uh, was pretty comprehensively ridiculed by Michal Martin, who pointed out that all it was going to do was uh, create a bidding war where you'd have the same number of houses effectively, but more people paying more money for them. So um, I don't think either side really came out very well. I think if there was to be an inverted commas winner, and I'd I'd probably share your sentiment that I don't think either side truly won last night, um, I think Leo Varadkar's kind of humane touch or his sort of his empathy streak which you haven't seen before while contrived may have been given the circumstances that it was I think it was it kind of seems to penetrate through a little bit that where ordinarily you see Leo Varadkar as almost a little bit sort of uh, divorced sort of lacking that empathy un- unable to empathise with the circumstances that people find themselves in because of the the nature of the world that he inhabits and the sort of upbringing that he had himself, that there was a couple of moments where he sort of looked down the barn of the lens and said, listen, I know you're pissed off. I know that there's stuff mm. that we haven't done that we wanted us to do. I know that people aren't happy with some of the things that we've done. But believe me, we're, we're on the right path and we're trying. And look, like I said, it, it might have been very contrived. No doubt it was something that they wanted to road test in the first of the four debates so that they could wind it back as they might need to do. But I think that that would have taken people a little bit by surprise. And, and of the, the takeaway messages, I think, other than that excruciating six or seven second delay about the drugs question, I think that might be the thing that people will remember. Well, yeah, I mean, I think if anything is going to be played back on Reeling in the Ears, and I, I can't imagine Reeling in the Ears would ever get that boring, it would be that particular clip. Uh, and that's not the fault of Virgin Media Television. They always say uh, on television you shouldn't uh, work with children and animals. Maybe they should add boring men in suits who want to be the next Taoiseach uh, to that list. Uh, but we're down to talking about style rather than substance. It's a little bit like Dancing with Stars, and uh, was it a, a better foxtrot than a tango? Yeah, and that, that's what I think was particularly surprising because, look, we know, and there's no getting away from the fact that Sinn Féin were lobbying very heavily to be added to this debate, and they see themselves and they see Mary Lou Macdonald as being an equal candidate who deserves equal status for, you know, prospective candidate for the office of Taoiseach. Look, uh, we're not going to get into the, the editorial mm. ins and outs of it, but, no. you know, when you, when you point at 
Sinn Féin's previous electoral performance and the fact that they're only running 42 candidates, it will be difficult for Sinn Féin to emerge as the, the largest party in the next all. But that's mm. sort of neither here nor there. The, the point that I'm going to make is that we we know that when, when there was only two candidates on stage and we had 75 minutes, or as it ended up being slightly longer, for the debate to go, we would have expected there to be a little bit more discussion about actual substance. Like, mm. you know, for example, what I see is the biggest... Uh, dividing line between the two parties in this coming election is their tax policy, where Fine Gael says it wants to raise the average, the higher tax cut-off points to €50,000, oh. and Fianna Fáil is a much more uh, modest entry point. And that would mean, over the course of five years, that somebody could be €2,400 better off under Fine Gael than Fianna Fáil. But Fianna Fáil wants to hang on to the money because they say that if you really want to tackle issues like hospital overcrowding or, or home building or the provision of social housing, you need actual money to do that. And they say they'd rather hang on to the money then give it back to people, which means that the government can do nothing with it. And that's, it's a bit of an ideological mm. thing, like you, know, look, like you said, they're both centre-right parties, right. but it is a major division between them, and it is a major you know, dividing line mm. in, in what they see the government as being able to do for the next five years. But we saw neither of them actually even go near that, and, and maybe that was because of the questions that Pat Kenny put to them, but neither side took the opportunity to say, you know, Micheál Martin had plenty of levers, I would have thought, to, to jump in and say, you know, by the way, Micheál Martin has all these great plans for what he wants to do with, with your money and what he wants the government to achieve, but he's going to give you a tax cut which leaves him without the cash to actually achieve any of those goals. And he di didn't once in the 75 minutes or more of airtime actually manage to put that point across, and it did end up then becoming much more about style than about substance. But, well, that's uh, it. And when it comes to the debate, I think you're absolutely right. It's neither here nor there whether Sinn Féin should have been involved last night in terms of judging the debate. I said yesterday on the programme, I think there was arguments for and against both positions, but I think Virgin Media and indeed RTE are completely correct in suggesting that either Micheál Martin or Leo Varadkar will be the next Taoiseach. The question that I was left asking last night is... What difference will it make which one of them becomes the Taoiseach? Yeah, and, and this is the, the, the point that I was going to make, which is that, that if, if one Taoiseach, prospective Taoiseach reckons that he will have about an extra two and a half billion euro a year to spend on actual things, tangible things like maybe converting childcare into a proper public service over the course of five or ten years or, you know, expanding school places pretty dramatically or any of the other things that you might like to do, you know, there will mm. be two and a half billion in play if Fianna Fáil were to implement their tax policy above what Fine Gael are planning, but we didn't get to hear any of that. And like I said, maybe it's the fault of the moderator, but I think the two sides had plenty of opportunity to do that. I mean, look, we all know that the idea of tax cuts is very popular. And if you say, we're going to cut your taxes and give you three grand extra a yep. year, a lot of people will be cock-a-hoop. But Leo Varadkar didn't once take that opportunity to say so. And, and nor, as I said, did Micheál Martin take the opportunity to point out that he, his government would prospectively have much more resources to tackle the big issues than Leo Varadkar's one would. Mm. Yeah, I think there's fewer uh, journalists, broadcasters as experienced as Pat Kenny in the country, and I, I wouldn't fault him for a, a moment. Uh, I think you can only work with the tools that you have or the people uh, who are participating in the debate, and uh, the differences between the two were few and far between. Uh, it was Bill and Ben to a, a large extent, uh, and uh, who wears uh, the better hat? Yeah, uh, but I suppose the the interesting thing about having the first to four debates is mm. that um, it's it's too early at this point to win a general election. Yeah. I mean, all you can do when you have a debate like that, I mean, if, if let's say there had been more gaffes like the six or seven second standoff about the drugs question, or, mm. you know, if someone had really put their foot in it or had a, a misspeech or a misstatement that got exploited, 
you know, you, it's not possible, or it's not possible to win it, like mm. I said, but it is possible potentially to lose it. So, but where was the conviction? You know, I mean, this is what you'd have to ask yourself. Like when Leo Varadkar said he had taken drugs, and I, I take that to mean that he has uh, smoked cannabis and he has possibly taken ecstasy and possibly taken cocaine. Why did Michal Martin not say, "Well, you've got blood on your hands," uh, because that's the thing that people are being told if you're a so-called recreational drug user, you're feeding into the gangland feuds. Yeah, well, why, I, I why did Leo Varadkar not say? well, what's wrong with taking drugs? I took them, I enjoy them, I'm not going to judge anybody else for it, let's legalise them. Well, Where was the vision? That, well, it, wouldn't it have been great if uh, one side had said, yes, I, I experimented with drugs mm. when I was in college, but... I think that everyone, you know, has a sort of formative experience where they experiment, but I, you know, it was only a brief fleeting thing and I've never done mm. anything else. I believe, by the way, in that Hot Price interview that he said that he had smoked cannabis, but he hadn't taken any other drugs like uh, ecstasy or cocaine. I think that, that well, was I, a, I, I think point. when I think actually what he was asked was, did he take any others? And he said he didn't take anything since he assumed public office, uh, which kind of was a, a vague yeah. kick-to-touch uh, answer. It's, it's fair point. But, but yeah. again, I think that would, like, I, I think the Fine Gael side would have said, if you take out the seven seconds, they would have seen Leo of Radker's answer as, answer as being very frank. They would have said, you know, well, he was very upfront about it. You know, Michael Martin immediately said, go, go no, not at all. And, you know, well, you know, any, anyone who leaves to the defensive quite so quickly maybe has perhaps skeletons in their closet that they might not like to have revealed. And that Leo Radker at least was more blunt about mm. it, albeit, of course, with that seven second delay. Um, I, I think you're totally right, by the way, because I did see a lot of feedback last night suggesting that it was an unfair question to put to Leo Radker, that it was a bit of a gimmick or that it was a, you know, a, a bit of a red herring. But I, I, I don't think it is precisely for the reasons that you've mentioned because as we know uh, the escalation in organised crime and, and drugs gangs is predominantly fuelled not necessarily on, on college experimenters but it is based on you know middle class demand mm. for recreational drugs and if you're a middle class man who might pursue recreational drugs occasionally that is of course exactly what you're bankrolling and I think it was a very fair thing to put up but of course Michal Martin maybe yeah. didn't want to make a political football out of it A because he knows of the difficulties that uh, people are, are suffering for as a result of the threats to crime and your listeners know all mm. about that but equally I think he would have been even too distracted to follow it up because while we were all looking at the awkward silence on the right-hand side of the mm. screen, anyone who looked at the, se- the left-hand side of the screen would have seen Michal Martin grinning like a Cheshire cat, really enjoying the six or seven seconds of Leo stewing in his own silence. Yeah, but I suppose when people go out to vote, uh, they'd be expecting to vote uh, in one direction or another and that you would have two polar opposite directions to choose from. Uh, and maybe you'd have one side saying, look, you know, we're going to tax the rich and they will pay 72% uh, on anything over 100,000 or 200,000 or whatever uh, and the other side would say oh no we're not going to do that what we're going to do is take people off the dole after three months and make them clean the parks yeah, well, and, and maybe that's what we'll hear when we have the seven-way debates taking place next week. There's a, mm. uh, seven contributors taking place, part in the, the Claire Byrne debate on Monday night, and then Matt Cooper and Ivan Yates again on Virgin Media One next Thursday, with again the full gamut of parties, all the way from solidarity people before profit to, you know, Fine Gael, who might be on polar opposites of, of uh, where they see taxes going. And maybe you get that sort of exchange there then. But uh, that last night was supposed to be a confrontation between the two men who purport to be Taoiseach. And if those two people who lead the parties, which have historically always has been the biggest ones and who which mm. together got 54 or 55% of the local election vote only eight months ago compared to 
9% for Sinn Féin is the next biggest party, then maybe that appears to be the, the fairly range of vanilla choices that the Irish public are actually going for. But like I said, there's two yep. debate next week for everyone else on the spectrum to be able to have their say, and then maybe we might get a little bit more adventure in terms of people coming up with, with policies, which not necessarily viewers mm-hmm. might agree with, but at least might get them thinking or talking and actually kick off a debate about ideology and how, how big the state should be or what sort of services it should provide. Maybe so. Maybe not, <laughs> but uh, we'll find <laughs> out. You never know. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Gavin. Gavin Riley, political correspondent with Virgin Media News and political columnist with uh, The Mead Chronicle. The Michael Reed Show. Now we'll continue with our series of one-to-one getting to know you election candidate interviews uh, which will take place between now and polling day together with a series of roundtable debates before you go to vote on the 8th of next month. We're joined today by Thomas Byrne who's a sitting TD in Meath East and the candidate for the Fianna Fáil party. Good morning to you and thank you for morning, coming Mike. to us uh, this morning. Uh, why should uh, people vote Fianna Fáil and Thomas Byrne for that matter? Well, I think people should vote Fianna Fáil because uh, we need to change a government. I think that's the bottom line. I think this government now has uh, run out of steam. Uh, they're out of touch and they're not dealing with the issues that matter to people in terms of housing, health. Uh, and particularly, it has to be said in this region, the law and order crisis as well. Mm. We've think- just had a long discussion with Gavin Riley about last night's debate uh, and very little to indicate that uh, a Fianna Fáil government would make any difference to people's lives. Well, I think it will make a difference because, first of all, Fianna Gael would be out of office. And I think that we need that philosophy gone. We need that inaction gone and we need fresh impetus and you know a fresh oomph into the into the government in terms of people that actually are sort of enthusiastic about their briefs. Orange I mean, is the new black. No that that's not it no I mean that is not it. Mm. Uh, I think Fianna Fáil has a track record over many decades. Our heritage is building houses, is housing the people of Ireland that has happened at various points. Ah, it was Fianna Fáil who stopped building houses. That's not the case in fact that's mm. not the case. In the 1980s uh, wasn't it? We in Fianna Fáil mm. pe- public housing has been a major feature uh, of what we have been about uh, over many, many decades. And that's what we need to get back to. Uh, that's the philosophy we need to get back to. It is not good enough to simply have um, you know, thousands of kids homeless, thousands, uh, over 10,000 people homeless, uh, including families. That is not good enough. It's not the society that we're in. And in my opinion, it requires a complete change of government. It requires Fine Gael simply to be put out of office. And that's certainly the message uh, that I'm getting on the doors. Uh, and I think that that needs to happen in this election. I think the public are going to do that. And it, it, it's simply a case that they have run out of steam and run out of ideas. Mm, well, they've run out of numbers, more to the point. Uh, if they had the numbers, maybe things would be different. Uh, why would things be different? Tell, t- tell me something that would change in my life under a, a Fianna Fáil administration, because I, I think a lot of people are saying we better look into the prospect of this because it's becoming more of a, a reality by the second. Well, let's, let's, well nobody's going to count chickens, OK? So Fianna Fáil is out campaigning for every single vote, OK? And we, we want to win as many as possible, win as many seats as possible to lead the next government and replace Fine Gael mm. completely. And by the way, Leo Varadkar offered coalition last night to Fianna mm. Fáil. We will not be going into coalition with, Fine, with Fine, Gael. Fine Gael. need to be put completely out of office and that's uh, absolutely clear. Um, one simple mm. thing that would make a massive difference in this particular region uh, would be bringing in emergency uh, security legislation which would allow a chief superintendent uh, to go into court and use uh, uh, give evidence that a person is a member of a gang and that, that could be considered in court. Does that legislation not exist? It existed in terms of the IRA, in terms of security. But it does it not, not it exist? Is, it, is in, not, it is not used now in terms of not gangs. Not used, but it no, exists. But the legislation exists, well, the but the it's not used. The possibility exists. It would have to be changed in terms of the gangs because it deals with prohibited organisations or whatever before. And it, may, it, 
it will need to be changed slightly, but it's merely a legislative change. There is no cost to it. The only cost, in fact, would be jailing some of okay, these well, people. Who would my end up in jail because because I, I thought that it could be used in relation to gangs. Th- that's exactly what we're saying. This mm. legislation, no, but I thought ex- as it exists, it could be. Yes, I mean, previously it was prescribed organisations mm. and there was a list of organisations yeah. mm. named, etc. Yeah. So, I mean, that obviously has to be changed very, very slightly in terms of the gangs. That's mm. what we're looking for. But that's not being used at the moment. And in fact, Charlie Flanagan, his response on this at the weekend mm. was um, that his officials weren't really in agreement with it, but he'd look at it. Mm. And we've got to decide in this country, are we going to keep our people safe? Are we going to get these people off the streets? Mm. Uh, are we going to continue with the inaction on law and order that the Fine Gael, uh, have developed? And that's that's one simple choice. What about intention? until trial nobody has proposed that well a lot of people are calling in proposing it and and I don't blame them for the Mm. dangers that they see but what are we allowed to do under international rules under the Irish constitution this is what we're allowed to do this is a practical thing that worked before in terms of the IRA and I think can work again and needs to happen the Gardaí, everybody knows uh, mm. who these individuals are who are, you know, causing absolute mayhem, destruction and death uh, across uh, this particular region. And these powers have to be used. This is not internment. Mm. This is not um, lawlessness. This is actually protecting the human rights of people walking up and down the main streets and the streets of their own estates uh, in uh, towns in Drogheda and all across uh, mm. this particular region. Well, Jimmy Guerin, Veronica Guerin's uh, brother, has uh, suggested that we move uh, to a system of internment, round them up and lock them away well, type well, of, of I, I, thing. I don't yeah, blame yeah, people yeah. for the reaction to the mm. absolute horrors of what is going on, mm. Michael. I do not blame Would people. Would you legalise drugs? Uh, no, we. So won't. you're always going to have a problem. No, no, I, no, no. We don't legalizing drugs isn't the answer. I mean, there's a reason that drugs are illegal. Would you decriminalize drugs? There is a reason that there's a criminal sanction. There is because the likes of cocaine, for example, is very dangerous mm. in itself. It causes people to become violent, to mm. become aggressive, and that's the reason why it's there and, ca- and can cause huge harm in terms of people's mm. health. There's a reason why we're banning smoking. Uh, you know, gradually. Why would we start mm. then going the other way uh, with illegal drugs? Yes, it can will you ban alcohol? Nobody Where's is, the sense? Nobody is suggesting that, or nobody is suggesting well, that. Alcohol is a nobody, far more serious drug than, than some cocaine. Of the, it's not, Michael. It is no, not than, cocaine. Than is some mixed, of the prohibited sorry, drugs. Sorry, this than this, cannabis. This is being fueled. Would you legalize cannabis? This is being fueled by cocaine, uh, which is being mm. used all across. Would the Would you legalize cannabis? I, I, there is, we have no proposals to legalize cannabis, mm. Michael. What we want to do is make sure, in terms of gangs, that they are. They are kept mm. off the streets. But that leaves, our, that leaves our young people criminals. It criminalises young people because that's what they want. That, that, that's, that's not the case, Michael. That mm. is not the case. Are, are, what we are, are, talking are you about, looking to serve or are you looking to dictate? Are you, we, are not, we are looking to serve the people of Ireland. Well, the people we of Ireland, the young want, people of Ireland want drugs legalised. Well, I'm not sure that's the case, actually, Michael. Mm. And I don't know whether you've researched to back that up or not. Yes, there's a difference between cannabis mm. and cocaine. I've no doubt about that. But both do harm and both do, especially with repeated use of cannabis, does irreparable harm. Uh, but the reality is cocaine is what's fueling this. And people have to think twice uh, if they decide to use that because that is mm. definitely connected to what's going on in the streets. But we have got to make sure that these people, and this is only in the mm. last few years, Michael, I mean, this has not been like this forever mm. and a day. This mm. isn't a problem no. that dates back to the recession. This is no. literally mm. in the last few years where gangs are becoming increasingly brazen uh, on the streets. They're becoming increasingly brave, uh, doing uh, increasingly 
uh, horrific uh, mm. crimes and treating people in a horrific way. And it's that, a, a five-year-old re- problem if it's even that local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that mm. and, and mm. by the way, it's mm. going to expand all across the mm. country. We have, you know, mm. accept, apparently acceptable levels mm. of antisocial behaviour in various towns at the moment. Ashburn really, being well, a really it, good it, example. It is already a problem all, all across the country. The difference is the gangs in other parts of the country aren't feuding the way they are locally. Yeah. Well, the, the, but that's what happens mm. when the lawlessness mm. breaks out, or when people get greedy, and when the drugs trade gets mm. particularly lucrative, and that's what we all have to consider, Michael. So, what we've got to make sure is these people are taken off the streets. Look, the, I'm going around mm. uh, the constituency, and people are telling me about particular areas. I'm certainly writing to the guards any information that people give give me about particular areas or particular locations mm. where they say drugs are being dealt openly, and people know who they are. And what I'm firmly of the belief is that the guardy need these special powers mm. to get these you're, criminals you're, off the streets. You're you're Fianna Fáil spokesperson on education. I I don't know if you aspired to be the next Minister for Education, but what are your thoughts on what one woman said to us when she called in recently, which was uh, twofold uh, in that she said, uh, on one hand, the kids are saying, why don't you listen to us? And nobody listens to the kids because they know what's happening. And on the other hand, not once over the last couple of years has a principal or a school teacher called the children together to talk about the problem and to warn them of the dangers and to speak openly and honestly about it. Well, I don't know what school that is, but I just I, I do know that lots of schools talk to people openly uh, about drugs. And I also know that a number of principals have called me in with various ideas about what could be done. I mean, I had one principal in one particular location talking to me about nine-year-old children uh, being groomed uh, by some of these drug lords, people that shouldn't be on the streets at the moment, people who are known to the Gardaí, but the powers aren't there to get them into jail or the, the evidence simply is too high. Uh, and, and, and that's what's happening. So I would say that principals are actually very active on this and they're watching particular children uh, and trying to protect them in some way because invariably, um, the particular, and I, I was given one example of a nine-year-old child who came from a particularly difficult background but whose mother was just heartbroken about what she could see was going on but the particular circumstances of the family dictated that this child was becoming vulnerable uh, to, to, to people grooming him. So that, that requires educational support in terms of extra teachers in, in, in disadvantaged areas and it requires review of what schools are, in, are classified as disadvantaged to get those extra supports because there are schools in this region which are uh, under the uh, in areas which have particular problems that are not classified actually as full disadvantaged. So that's something that you know has to be done. It has been committed to. There is a review going on at the moment but nothing has happened on it. So that review has to finish. And we've got to make sure that all of the schools that should be classified as disadvantaged and need the extra resources, for, for not just for this mm. drugs issue, but that's part of it, but to make sure that everybody has a chance of an education, that's what Fianna Fáil is all about, and everybody has a chance uh, to go up that ladder of education and to achieve what they can potentially achieve in life, that requires extra supports in some of those schools. Would you like to be the next Minister for Education? Well... First of all, the job is to get elected to the Dáil mm. and to do that, Fianna Fáil have to uh, get into the next government and we have to lead that government and we hope to do that with smaller parties, mm. with like-minded parties. But that is, it's not simply about getting into government for the sake of it. It's mm. not simply about positions, Michael. I mean, I've been a TD now uh, for some years. Mm. Um, I've okay, been, but been it, a backbencher elected, as well. Would you like to stay in education, whether that's as uh, an opposition spokesperson or well, as all, a government all, 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 Well, Fianna Fáil wants to be in government, mm. but we have to get mm. enough mm. seats. Uh, all I can say is that education over the decades again 
has been a Fianna Fáil hallmark. When you look at the Constitution, it might seem normal enough now, but guaranteeing free primary education in the Constitution in the 30s uh, was pretty radical at the time and having that as a constitutional right. Then you come to the 60s, Donna O'Malley uh, giving free secondary education. That had a massively transformative effect. Um, you look at the opening of the Institutes of Technology, the former regional colleges, even Trinity College came in, came in under the state system through Eamon de Valera at the time. Um, so, so that's our uh, philosophy, our heritage, is to make sure that the country and everybody gets the chance to be educated to the best uh, of their ability. Will we take that as a yes or a no? no all, all I'm saying is that that is what Fianna Fáil, that's one yeah, of our core yeah, values, yeah, is, yeah. is education. Do, do you want to stay? Uh, and it's the chance, it's because, because oh, it's, the diff- it's the difference between Fianna Fáil mm. and Fianna Gael. Fine Gael, you know, the haves and the have not nots, We want to make sure that everybody has the chance <laughs> okay. to excel and succeed yeah, right. in life, and okay. we believe that education well, is the way to do I, that. I've run out of time. You'll be disappointed to hear. Thank you indeed uh, for coming into us uh, this morning. Fianna Fáil's current spokesperson on education, Thomas Byrne, who's uh, a TD in Mead East and uh, a general election candidate in the constituency. The Michael Reed Show. Now let's continue to talk about uh, the ongoing problems uh, that we're experiencing as a result of uh, drug usage and also, of course, because of how the gangs are selling these drugs. Anna Quigley is coordinator with the Citywise Drugs Crisis Campaign and Jackie McKenna, project coordinator with the Family Addiction Support Network, uh, both obviously working uh, at the coalface and uh, you're both very welcome to the programme. Anna, tell us a a little bit about the work uh, that you do yeah well we've been in existence now for uh 25 years citywide was set up in 1995 we keep getting told we should change the name and we should Mm -hmm. and we started off obviously um in dublin in 1995 in a response to the heroin crisis there Mm -hmm. and a very basic simple idea there were groups in local communities right across dublin struggling Mm -hmm. really hard to try and deal with the heroin issue so rather than and it it started in dolphins barn we were talking about this with uh jimmy gearing yesterday yeah the manchester duns moved in took a stronghold uh, and uh, there was a rebellion of sorts uh, and uh, then uh, the Dons uh, did time and their empire crumbled uh, but that was overtaken then by the Gilligans and that led to to the terrible killing of Veronica. It's like part of the lessons I suppose Mm. we looking back you know there was was kind of this um, idea well you know, after it's in particular the Duns mm. when, when there were long sentences given to them, well, that's that problem solved mm. and, and we can move on. Yeah. And obviously, we've learned a huge amount since then. That well, talk about a it's prophecy. Not that simple. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, for sure. If you think sure, we're bad, wait sure. till you see what's coming behind for us. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, the network that we that started in, in Dublin then in 1995, over the years, it has extended to being a national network, mm. which is why I'm saying we should change the name. Um, the Family um, Addiction Support Network here in Dundalk that Jackie is with Mm. is one of the members of that network so we have community groups family groups right across the country who are linked into us and I suppose that's you know our frustration after 25 years we just have I don't know if Mm. I can express the frustration on radio where we're at Mm. first of all first thing we have to say is that just our hearts go out to all of the people in this area who are caught Mm. up in this because we know the reality like we can talk about it as an issue but there's a lot of people out there for whom this is real and it's terrifying and it's frightening Mm. And it's worrying, um, and that is Andrew with our children. Keep, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, on both fronts yeah. of this, yeah. the the the, yeah. the users and yeah. the dealers. Yeah. 
Yeah. The killers, yeah. a lot yeah. of them are kids. Yeah. yeah. And that is, again, it's where the frustration is coming mm. from, right? Okay, we all know there's no simple solution to mm. this, right? There's nothing we can say, we can change overnight mm. and things will be sorted. But we do know there are a lot of things we can do that make a big difference. Yeah. And that's why, and it's being said, it, it, obviously people are saying it here in this area, like mm. we say it everywhere else, when these terrible things happen, yes, of course mm. you need a very strong policing response. You have to have that yeah. when you have that level well, of violence. But every Everyone is also mm-hmm. emphasizing, including yeah. the police, a policing response on its own is not enough. And that mm-hmm. is something going back to 1996, yep. Pat Rabbit's mm-hmm. report in response to Veronica Gearin's killing. That yep. was the first thing it said. The drugs issue mm-hmm. is not just about the drug use. It's not just about the drug. It's about all the other issues that link around it. Just and very briefly, Anna, yeah. I asked mm-hmm. the Taoiseach four mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. last week mm-hmm. about four areas yeah. uh, and yeah. what he could do uh, about community policing. Could he yeah. restore yeah. community policing to the levels that they were at. Yeah. Uh, could he restore and increase funding uh, to addiction services? Yeah. Uh, could he give mm-hmm. the Gardaí the mm-hmm. resources that he, he needed and could he introduce effective gangland legislation? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Taoiseach said uh, in uh, relation to community policing uh, well we have restored some of it it's mm-hmm. up to the mm-hmm. Garda Commissioner mm-hmm. uh, we have stopped cutting money to addiction services. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to Garda resources the Guards say they have all the resources that they have uh, and uh, when it, it comes to a legislation there's plenty of legislation in place. Uh, to put okay. that concisely, okay. it seems as though the answer is there's nothing we can do. OK, so our biggest problem here is political will. The reason we have been having difficulties over the last number of years is the lack of political will. We have been campaigning on this really, mm. really strongly this year because we can see, not just in this area and other areas, the impact of not doing enough. Let's take simply the thing about the funding for the local projects, mm. projects like yep. um, uh, Jackie's project, and there are projects like that all over the country. You talked about young people. Mm. We did we did a piece of work last year with youth projects that work with young people who are at risk or are already involved in the drugs trade. Now, the one thing they tell us is that in the earlier stages, there are always opportunities to intervene with these young people, particularly where these youth projects have relationships with mm. them. That is an opportunity we need to build on. Those groups need funding. The kind of family support network that Jackie and, and her people yep. are involved in, it's an extraordinary supporter. Like, if I'm a parent and I'm concerned about my child starting to get involved, mm. I need somewhere to go before it get, escalates. As you say, the treatment services for people who are starting to use drugs, all those things are crucial. Now, the, whatever the teacher says what we are looking at between 2007 and 2014 all of those services were cut some up to 35 percent none of that core funding has been restored that is simply Mm. not good enough given the scale of the problem this is a problem that's Mm. costing people's lives and we know alongside the policing you have to have the day-to-day in and out low-key some Mm. people will call it boring work going on if you don't have that going on on the ground then you are losing your first line of defense and do let no politician stand up and okay. be surprised then when things get to the scale well, they okay. get at now. Well, there as is I understand no it. excuse. The mm-hmm. funding is there. Mm. There is additional money has gone into the national drug strategy for mm-hmm. the last number of years. None of that money has come to the projects on the ground. That okay. is a political decision and politicians have the power to change. Right. Uh, as I understand it from people like you, the four questions I put to the answer mm-hmm. uh, if they got, or to the Taoiseach, if it had got positive answers uh, uh, for all four of them combined mm. uh, you would see results uh, but yeah. let's talk a, a little bit more about uh, the funding Jackie uh, what is it you get from the government about seven and a half thousand yeah 
Um, Michael, we get 7,500 uh, per year from the regional drugs task. And if the government was to pay for all of the work that you actually do over the course of uh, the course of a year, instead of 7,500, how much would it cost? Well, uh, uh, we just worked it out approximately, and um, for uh, in 1920, uh, sorry, in 2019 alone, uh, uh, the Family Addiction Support Network has supported an average of a thousand people throughout the four counties of the northeast through uh, a variety of its services. So that was volunteering approximately 8,700 man hours that should cost the Irish government a minimum of 174,000 right. per year. You'd, you'd probably you know, buy a lot of Christmas trees for that. Well, that's the thing. You know, um, I, I'd just like to say that uh, <laughs> Uh, that in 2018, for instance, okay, so mm. this is a fact. So in 2018, Fingal Kent Council were allowed to invite tender for one Christmas season, 25,000 for the erection of 31 Christmas trees to cover a population of 296,000 approximately. Mm. That's more than three times the budget of the Family Support Network gets per year. So you get seven and a half thousand. You get seven and a half thousand. Fingal County Council gets twenty five thousand for Christmas trees, and you actually spend one hundred and seventy four thousand for dealing with people who have addiction problems over four counties, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. And what's actually happening is that the network, our fossil network, our family addiction support network as a charity, is subsidising the Irish government mm-hmm. to the tune of 174000 mm-hmm. per year. And then in turn, the government, the government is given a, a paltry 7500 to to the Family Sport Network to run these services. Like, mm. to me, that's, something is not quite right here. OK, Jackie, listen, I know that we had a, a problem connecting with you. Apologies for that. And uh, hopefully we can come back and talk to you next week. But I do want to mention that uh, people will hear more from you at the rally that's mm-hmm. taking place uh, on Saturday in Drogheda. I, I know that you're going to uh, address people and make some more of these points. Uh, and they are pretty stark points. Uh, but I have to leave there because we have run out of time. But thank you both uh, indeed for your time you. and for joining us here on the programme this morning. Jackie McKenna, Project Coordinator with uh, the Family Addiction Support Network. And Anna Quigley, Coordinator with the City wise drugs crisis campaign the michael reed show now let's find out what you've been saying to us maggie is here with some of uh, the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning good morning to you maggie morning michael and um, as you can imagine the leaders debate was the main talking talking about but most people in touch with us this God, morning don't, don't tell me that Listen, you weren't the one listening oh, to the calls yeah, i was yeah. yeah i mean were people out of bed at this stage and the work yeah, yeah, yeah. after such a late night staying up with uh, the invigorating debate and discussion and vision for our country that the leaders demonstrated on television last night? Yeah, well, I think the musical interlude at the start of the programme shocked them into being awake. I don't think they were expecting a song on our programme Probably more more interesting, I think, than the debate, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, no, there wasn't a lot of people too impressed, basically, with how either leader did. Um, Sarah's saying that she wasn't impressed by either one of them in last night's debate. Neither said anything that made her think they've learned from past mistakes and are ready to affect real change, as she puts it in the country. They seem more intent on making personal swipes at each other rather than outlining what they're going to do to improve things. Yeah. We don't need politicians um, politicians making digs at each other. We need leaders, she says. Yeah. I wanted more than a steady hand, you know. Uh, I mean uh, some people are very happy with their lot, some people are very unhappy with their lot, uh, but both of the leaders seem to be suggesting that we 
continue as is uh, and uh, that they could provide a steady hand, steady as she goes type of thing. I mean, I, I wanted one of them to say, I'm going to ban bicycles from the road. And I wanted the other one to say, well, I'm going to do the opposite and I'm going to reduce every road to one lane in one direction and have another lane for bicycles or something like that. But that they would give you completely different things to choose from, different options, real options, rather than the same old, same old bloody nonsense. Like you, a lot of people mm. think they were just playing it too safe. Um, Tom, I think they're very fond of each other. This is exactly oh, one of the okay, points right, that was coming okay, up. Yeah, so you yeah, you yeah, must yeah, be mm, psychic mm. as well as everything else. Um, <laughs> Tom and Dundalk was saying there's no real, there was no real passion in the debate last night. It seems like they were just going through the motions and it was very disappointing. Mm. He thinks that they know each other too well at yeah. this stage mm. and that maybe they were just being complacent because they know that they'll probably end up in government together again. Mm. Well, I, I don't know. It depends on the turnout with all of these things and I don't think anybody would be inspired to vote after watching that last night. If it, you're told that one or the other is going to be the Taoiseach, so what? Like, what difference does it make? Yeah, well, Marie enjoyed it um, mm. watched the start of the debate but switched it off halfway through because mm. she was so bored um, she said why was it so long when there was only two of them well I only saw half of it I didn't yeah no I did I, only, I watched the second half this morning but I fell asleep during it <laughs> It's <laughs> the early morning. That's yeah. it. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, and basically, um, Raid was saying that she hasn't heard anything. She hasn't. Uh, she didn't hear anything. She hasn't heard before. It was depressing more so mm-hmm. than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean in Trim says, "What's the difference between Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil? Because he's struggling to find a difference." A blue tie and a red tie. <laughs> okay. Um, Both have grey suits now, mind you. Well, yeah, you did yeah, mention yeah, the suit yeah, once yeah, or twice. Yeah, yeah. I think the choice of colour was an issue for you, mm-hmm. was it? I know. Uh, it's just a it sort of conjures up a, a, an Bland. image of blandness. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Declan um, from Navin says that he thinks there should have been more than two leaders in the debate. At the very least, uh, Mary Lee MacDonald and even Brendan Howland should have been allowed to attend. Mm. People need to hear what the leaders of the main parties have to say. I think that might have been the problem. I think that might have been the problem, that you could hear what they were saying. Usually you don't hear what anybody is saying because they're shouting over each other. Uh, Does that make it better? No, it it means you, you don't actually hear what they're saying, which is nothing of substance. Okay. You know? So would you think that there should have been more people in it then? Well, it mightn't have been as boring. I don't think you'd have learned much more from it. Uh, you wouldn't have heard anybody half the time, but you might have thought, oh, God, that's funny. As in watching them just <laughs> yeah. digging at each other, basically. I mean, that's that's the level politics has descended to, it would seem. Well, this is it, yeah. Um, Annie says that last night's debate was more of the same, did nothing mm. to reassure people that change is on the way, or that either of the two main parties are capable of turning things around. Um, Michael says people need to get their heads around this simple fact. If a party doesn't get a clear majority, they will go into a government with whoever they need to, to keep themselves in power. Mm. This is despite whatever promises they make mm. on the campaign drill. We've seen it time and time again yeah. in our political histories. The main parties say they won't pair up with their opposition because they're so fundamentally different in their any, yeah. in, you know, mm-hmm. inverted commas values. Mm. Yet when push comes to shove and they need to partner up with somebody to save their collective necks, then all reservations mm. go out the window and we're back on the same old roundabout. The Irish yeah. people will never well, I think we've already seen that. I mean, it's one thing Fine Gael saying they won't go into coalition with Sinn Féin. But the idea of Sinn Féin going into coalition with Fine Gael is hard to fathom. But they've already said it because otherwise uh, they're discounted as players in this election. So mm-hmm. they've compromised that and they said, look, we will go into coalition with Fine Gael if, of course, they can come up with the right policy platform and all of that. Uh, and no doubt if Fine Gael needs the numbers and Sinn Féin can provide the numbers, uh, they'll come around to that way of thinking as well. But let's uh, tip toe through the tulips 
or do our Pilates, as the case may be. Uh, and I say that because uh, I've a uh, Pilates instructor in front of me, 24-year-old physiotherapist. And uh, a very good morning to you, Orla Gaynor. And thanks uh, for joining us here this morning. You're not here to talk about Pilates, I don't think. Uh, you're talk- here as a, a young person, like many young people, to talk about the environment, climate change uh, and protecting the planet. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, I'm here to promote. Where I'm a member of Extinction Rebellion Drogheda, so people might know the they might know the name Extinction Rebellion as a global environmental movement. And uh, a Drogheda branch was set up back in September by my team members Scott Murphy, Owen Reid, and Mark McGuffin. And we're actually we've we're getting a speaker in on Saturday uh, at two o'clock uh, for in Odd Molly's, and we'll be discussing the we'll be presenting the current facts on climate change and the current climate science just presenting the facts which uh, which have been neglected to be presented to the public mm. by the by current governments and current uh, uh, current policymakers are you worried about the planet um, I, I heard Donald Trump saying there's no need to worry about it we're planting trees we're planting trees but unfortunately planting a few trees here and there isn't enough there are massive plant, uh, tree planting movements all over the world but the fact is we're actually headed for four degrees of global warming by the uh, 2100. Mm. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that's the inter- that's the IPCC, that's a general consensus of climate scientists. 94% of them agree that we should try to minimise global warming to 1.5 degrees by the end of the, of mm-hmm. the century. Yeah. And even that would be cl- catastrophic. Mm-hmm. So w- there's so so much action that we still have to take. Or else we're facing meltdown in a, a dozen years or so, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, we should really be cutting emissions by 50%. Mm by 2030 and zero be completely zero emissions by uh, 2050 mm. in order to well that to give us the best chance of achieving um, keep, keeping the global warming down to 1.5 degrees of an increase. Mm. We've already increased the global temperature to by 0.8 degrees since the late 19th century so since like the, the industrial revolution so we're 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 not we're not sticking to current policies that we've already even set in place for ourselves mm-hmm. and these aren't enough so what we really want to do as extinction rebellion is to kind of educate the public on the current climate facts and a uh, and real and really kind of lobby for movement mm. within we need drastic system change to allow this to happen um people buying kind of like bringing their renewable their reusable bags to to the supermarket like that's great like personal action but we the onus has to come off the individual and onto massive system change implemented by government and policy makers. Mm-hmm. Now, you've clearly informed yourself uh, and uh, you obviously feel very passionately uh, about this. I mentioned uh, that uh, you're a physiotherapist at the beginning because uh, I take it you take uh, your own well-being uh, very seriously as you do the well-being of uh, the planet. Uh, but when the President of the United States says there's no need to exaggerate this, we're doing great work, we're planting trees, everything is going to be fine and dandy, what difference can a young woman like yourself from Monastery Boy speak. Well, it's about making your voice heard and especially about using your vote now on the 8th of February. Um, now, as Extinction Rebellion is is uh, apolitical, we don't okay. encourage, mm. a, we don't kind mm-hmm. of advocate for a single political... And I'll ask you not to endorse any candidate or party. No, please. absolutely, okay. we don't do that okay. as a... Um, but we would ask uh, all voters to inform themselves about what their candidates are planning to do with regards climate action and also in balance with other social issues as well. 
Um, so uh, if, whatever you whatever you as a voter feel is most in line with the advice given by um, or the, well, the, the advice given by the mm-hmm. IPCC, that's the way. That's the, what I'm currently trying to work towards as a voter, uh, and I would encourage others to do the same okay. to educate what current candidates are trying to promise now. All right. Well, you're meeting on Saturday afternoon in Odd Molly's in, 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 in Drogheda uh, around two o'clock. If people are in town for the rally, I'm sure that they can come in and see you afterwards as absolutely, well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a very important rally that's taking place. I understand that, uh, and so absolutely, if you want to pop into Odd Molly's, will be well. I can chat with the other with the other Extinction Rebellion members and see if we can kind of push it back a little bit to allow people to come in and and listen to our talk. Everyone is more than welcome. It's a talk for for all ages and uh, all all backgrounds. Anyone who has an interest in the well-being of our planet and our environment um, absolutely more okay. than welcome to all come right. along. People can stick their head in afterwards and I'm sure you'll be there. But look, thanks for coming in to us this morning and Thank you very much. Uh, making your voice heard on our programme. That's uh, Orla Gaynor from Monaster Boyce, a member of Extinction Rebellion in uh, Drogheda. Now let's go back uh, to some more of your calls. What else have you got there for us, Maggie? I'm going back to the political debate from last night, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, Mary's amazed at, um, by how out of touch your leaders are. Um, she says they honestly don't seem to recognise the public hunger for change and for real leadership from our government. Maybe if they stopped for a moment and stopped making swipes at each other and actually did what they're promising to do um, then we might they might see a better response from the people. Um, the public are sick of being promised the sun, moon and stars and then being left high and dry. Okay, can we talk about the two leaders uh, 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 and a different subject? Uh, we were talking to Orla there a moment ago about the rally that's taking place in Drogheda on Saturday uh, against uh, the drugs, the gangs, the violence, the lawlessness and so on. Uh, as we know, the mayor has has invited all of uh, the political leaders to Drogheda to stand in solidarity with uh, the people. Uh, and you've been checking in with uh, the leaders. There is some confusion, uh, I think, at this stage. The first question is, will the Taoiseach attend? Um, I'm still away. We don't know. It. We don't know. No, that we don't yet. know. Uh, as we understand it, that's being considered, uh, mm-hmm. and the Taoiseach's office is in contact uh, and communicating with the mayor's office uh, as yet to be decided. Yes. Uh, do we know if the Fianna Fáil leader will attend? Uh, we believe he has been invited, but there is a bit of confusion about as to whether he has been invited or not. Well, I've been dealing with the press office directly um, myself and uh, they relayed the question that we had put to them about whether or not the, um, Michal Martin will be attending. And I, yesterday I received word back saying that um, the Deputy Martin hadn't mm. got an invitation um, and as it stood he wouldn't be attending but that they're just a spokesperson, Jim McCallan, would be attending along with the local um, Fianna Fáil representatives. Now I understand obviously there has been mm. other communications between the mayor's yeah, well, office we went back to Fianna. the mayor and said, why didn't you invite me, Hall Martin? And he said, I did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, his <laughs> yeah. office did. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, my understanding is they were dealing with a different branch of the Fianna Fáil yeah. party than I would have been dealing with. Okay. So, you know, obviously yeah. maybe the two... I'm not saying the two sides aren't talking to each other. Okay, but there's there's some confusion there. But the mayor says Micheál Martin has been invited. The mayor's office has been told that's under consideration. Uh, This seems uh, to have gone over the head of the Fianna Fáil press office. That hasn't channeled through as yet as such. Well, I mean, it's two different people talking to two different departments. Exactly. So so there is some confusion there. We don't know if Micheál Martin will or will not be attending. But Jim O'Callaghan will be representing Fianna Fáil. Uh, What about the other parties? Um, Well, Pazit O'Bean, the leader of AIN2, will be attending. He confirmed that with me. Um, Labour Press confirmed that Brendan Hallam will be attending as well. the leader of the Labour Party, yes. Absolutely, as will Mary Lee MacDonald from Sinn Féin. The leader of the Sinn Féin Party. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party, isn't uh, available mm-hmm. to attend because they're actually launching their manifesto um, at that same time mm-hmm. in Dublin, and that has been in the books for a couple of weeks. So, mm-hmm. but they will have other. Uh, they are hoping to have other representatives there, other key members of the party mm-hmm. there representing the party on the day. And with regard to Roisin Shortall, um, we haven't heard from her uh, mm-hmm. office as yet, so we're okay. not sure she'll so, be attending. So, uh, as things stand, uh, the leader of the N2 party, Patrick Tobin, the leader of the Labour Party, Brendan Helen, and uh, the Sinn Féin president, Mary Lou Macdonald, have all committed to attending on Saturday. Yeah. Jim O'Callaghan, Fianna Fáil's spokesperson on justice, will, will be, be attending. attending. Uh, we don't know yet as to whether Fianna Fáil's leader, Micheál Martin, will no. be attending. Uh, the Green Party leader has said he will not, uh, but there will be a representative there, yeah. and the Taoiseach's office is still in the process of deciding, and they're considering Absolutely. the invitation at this stage. OK, interesting stuff. Uh, we'll update that, uh, I'm sure, tomorrow, uh, and indeed, obviously, before Saturday, when that uh, event takes place, just to remind you that if you want to stand in solidarity with the people of Drogheda, with your neighbours, friends and indeed uh, these senior politicians uh, that will be taking place at half past one on the Bridge of Peace this coming Saturday and uh, the people who assemble will be asked then to walk to St Peter's Church in West Street for two o'clock. The Michael Reed Show. Now we'll continue with our one-to-one getting to know you interviews with election candidates. Uh, Peter Fitzpatrick, uh, an independent uh, TD in Louth, is uh, standing in election 2020. He joins us now and uh, a very good morning to you and uh, thanks for joining us. You hold a a seat at the moment. You hope uh, to be re-elected. Why should people vote for Peter Fitzpatrick? Well, first of all, Michael, uh, thank you very much for inviting me onto your programme. I think... uh, the reason why people should vote for Peter Fitzpatrick is that I'm open, I'm honest, I'm transparent. I'm the only true independent running. I get the job done. My office is open to everybody. And if I'm lucky enough to get re-elected, I'm planning to open an office in Jordan at Midloud. I will hold the government to ransom. And I think, Michael, I think... Uh, to ransom? <laughs> to account, I think. Well, I'm just saying, Michael, for the last nine, for the last nine years, Michael. Well, I mean, you probably know more about the government than most people, uh, so you probably have the inside track and lots of information. Maybe you could hold them to ransom. Well, I'm just saying, Michael, for the last nine years, Michael, I've really, really worked hard, and, mm. and, and uh, I'd be just hoping that the people in Loud and East Mead would give me give me support. Uh, during my time in the Dáil, I've mm. I worked very, very hard on uh, reinstatement of the acute services in Loud County Hospital. I've also worked very hard on improving the resources to tackle the housing crisis. I've worked very hard on improving the resources for Gardaí. I've also worked very hard in, in, in resources for business and ensure they are prepared for Brexit, the regeneration of the Dog Town Centre to the Living Initiative, the Drogheda City status, uh, the, the Northern Cross in Drogheda as well, the Newry Bypass, uh, mental, health se- mental health services especially for the young people. Uh, I'm, as you know, Michael, I'm now the chairman of the Lowe County Board. I'm working very hard in, in, in getting a new stadium in Dog. I'm working very hard uh, trying to get a running track. I'm working very close with the Dog Football Club. Uh, we're looking for greenways. And also, uh, like, knocking on the doors, Michael, is there. But, you know, there's a lot, a lot of serious issues in that day. And like, coming from the Dog at Garrison Tennis, it's, it's, it's like, you know, the, the army personnel are, are, are really, really, are really hitting, you know, really giving out. And the issue with the pensions at the mm. age 65. Like, I can't believe what the government's doing. Like, these people have worked all their lives. 
And now all of a sudden they're, they're being asked to, to you know to, to try to live on two hundred and three euros a week. Mm. Like like for the last ten years this country has been in hands and But you, you you knew the plan, didn't you? I mean you knew the plan when you were elected. Yeah. When you were uh, elected uh, as uh, Fine Gael candidate and when people voted for Peter Fitzpatrick, they voted for Fine Gael. They voted for a seat for Fine Gael. Uh, and you've taken that away from them. Why should they vote for Peter Fitzpatrick and not for Fine Gael? Well, Michael, uh, when I was in Fine Gael, I was a backbencher. Mm. I felt but, they, but the people who voted for you wanted a Fine Gael TD. It, it was Fine Gael policies that they voted for. Uh, I've, I've, I've left Fine Gael two years ago and uh, I've given people a, a, an opportunity to look what Peter Fitzpatrick like is an independent. Like for the, for, the, for the previous seven years, I was Fine Gael, Michael. And to be honest with you, uh, I, I I wasn't happy towards the end. I, mm. I was disappointed. I felt as though like uh, all they really wanted me was to uh, press a wee button. I, I stayed in my local paper that basically all they really had me was for a kind of a puppet on the string. Mm. But uh, you were happy to do that, weren't you? I mean, you were happy to uh, increase the pension age to 67 and then to 68. Mike, the reason, the reason why I was... Uh, I was happy enough to increase the pension wage. Was it was the way this, the way it was the way things turned out. There were, like, people, the country was in hands and the knees. The money wasn't there to pay. Now, over the last number of years, t- things have changed. Mm-hmm. The economy has turned around. Well, that's I, what I, the I, government I, is saying. Yeah. Uh, that's what Fine Gael is saying, and that's why they're saying they'll introduce a, a transition repayment. But Michael, why the turn around, Michael, in, in twenty twenty one? I'm going to increase it to 60, 60, 68. Mm. The problem is they're, they're afraid because th- 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 these these people have have really sacrificed their, their lives for you know these are the ones who were not mocked and done like, looked after children. Yeah, they but, really really worked hard, but, Michael. But you and the party you remember of decided to do that in twenty. 14. As I said to you, Michael, was, the reason it was done in 2014, Michael, was, was the way the economy was going. Mm. Uh, like things but that was a decision yeah. you were part of making. Uh, and now the government in 2020 is saying, well, people aren't happy, uh, things have improved, and we'll introduce a, a, a transitionary payment. No, Michael, like, I feel as though like, all Fine Gael are doing at the moment is, is just pushing it down the road. It's now the people want to know the, the exact stand, and they're not giving it the, the exact stand. Is I'm telling you, as an independent TD, is I will be pushing very, very hard to be sure that the, that the, uh, the retirement age is 65. People should have an opportunity if they want to work on long, no problem whatsoever. Mm. But Michael, there's an awful lot of people out there who's doing a lot of physical work, a lot of stress work, and everything else. And when, when they do come 65, okay, well, you, you tell me, Michael, who who I'm not arguing that who, point. Who, with who can you. live? I'm not arguing that point with you. I'm arguing how we got to this point. Uh, but tell me uh, what you will do when you say you'll do everything if you are elected as an independent to stop that age increasing to 67 and then to 68. Uh, does that mean uh, that you would support uh, Fine Gael or a Fianna Fáil-led government on the basis that they didn't increase the pension age? Well, Michael, uh, I think the independents are going to have a big say in the next form of the government. At the moment, on the opinion polls, the independents are showing 18%. I've been contacted over the last number of days by different independent parties and asked mm. me. But the bottom line, Michael, is uh, Peter Vespatrick is fighting for the last seat in, mm. in, in Michael's But would situation. you do a deal on that basis, uh, on the basis of co- finding a solution to the pension yeah, crisis? Michael, yeah, yeah. Michael, like, would you do one with Sinn Féin on that basis? Michael, what I, what I do, Michael, I, I would work with any party who's willing to support my, my suggestions mm. as such. And if that means Sinn Féin or Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael, I would work with absolutely anybody. Okay. Because I just hope that the people in Loud have a bit of faith in going forward. 
Like I, I have a few red issues, Michael. Is uh, from day one, Michael, I always was on about my health, and I always said your health is your wealth. Mm. And one of my red lines was, I think it's very important that we reinstate the the, the acute services in the Loud County Hospital. The amount of people that's driving past the Loud County Hospital at the moment is absolutely a disgrace. They're travelling from all parts of the county, and like I will say, one good thing, Michael, is uh, they they they, they reduce the age to six, which I thought was very very good. But when you look, like I was in the Lewis Hospital there a while ago with my daughter, and like we're, we're, you're sitting around waiting for eight hours, and it's it's not the staff's fault; it's just that they haven't got the facilities in them yet. Mm. We have a hospital, a ready-made hospital, that it wouldn't take that much to do it. And I think, Michael, this is the right time now to reopen the, the acute service. But that means you've changed your mind to some degree. Uh, I mean, because the hospital services locally were reconfigured so that the acute services would be in Drogheda and other services, daycare services uh, and other uh, more planned procedures would take place in the Louth County. Uh, And that works very well. And that's a point that you've made very strongly in the past. The problem I have at the moment is uh, the Lewis Hospital is completely overstretched. Like mm. If you look at the catchment area, it's... It's, it's less right. stretched yeah. now, though, than it was when you were last elected. Well, Michael, I was up there, as I said recently, the, the, the trolley, trolley situation, yeah. they, they, they just haven't got enough space to improve it's, the situation. It's far better now than it was when you were last elected. Well, I'm just trying to say to you, the amount of people... Like, I'm knocking doors at the moment, is, and I said to you... Like, these are the issues mm. that's coming up at the doors. But in 2016, I mean, you were talking about 30, 40, 50, 60 people on trolleys. Today, uh, I mean, it very rarely would pass 10. Well, I'm just saying, Michael, we have a facility in the Loud in, in, in Dundalk. We have it. We have, a, have, a, have a hospital that I think has not been used fully. We have an opportunity now going forward to get the, get the acute services back to alleviate the problems in the whole catchment area. Like, uh, like, like as I said here, yeah, the amount of people that's driving from North Loud and dog surrounding areas bypassing the Loud County Hospital at the moment, it wouldn't take that much, Michael. And in fairness, Michael, that would help, that would actually help to alleviate the problem. A lot of people that, that, that mightn't go to the Lewis Hospital, Michael, mm. the Bowman, but the whole surrounding areas there at the moment is, and with the uncertainty of what's going to happen in Navin as well, nobody knows what's going to happen there in Navin. Branching says the Loud County Hospital have the facilities there now to, to, to reopen it. There's also, apart from the hospital, you've got an area of a site there they can do any kind of expansions mm. at the moment. Your health is your wealth of life. And it's like, even your programme there for the last number of days, you're talking about the, the lack of, of GPs as such. So if you had a Lyle County Hospital opening the 24-hour services, that means that people can, can go into the hospital and, and be looked after. Children, sick or um, pensioners and that there. And then also, the problem we're having with, with the ambulance service at the moment mm. is, like people are saying like, there could be waiting two, three or four hours, that if you reopen the service in the Lyle County Hospital, like, you know, people can actually go drive to the Lyle County Hospital and it actually it could actually save lives how many people in your programme over the last number of years come out of your programme and was talking to loved ones maybe if the Lyle County Hospital had been open maybe my father my mother my auntie my uncle could have been saved okay. this, this is something Michael mm-hmm. I'm really really I'm going to find and out another thing we've been talking about uh, and just uh, to conclude on this uh, as a, a TD for Louth uh, I'm sure you're as interested in anybody in the discussions we've been having about the drugs the gangs uh, the violence the killings the chopping up of bodies and so on. Uh, I take it uh, that you'll uh, attend uh, the rally on Saturday in Drogheda and uh, would you encourage people to go? Yes, so first of all, I want to commend Paul Bell, the Mayor of Drogheda. I think, uh, in fairness, I spoke to Paul during the week. Mm. The good thing I like, Michael, about it, it's not a political event. It's it's, it's all standing together. Like, like You had uh, the teacher on your programme there last mm. week and the bottom line is we have to take these thugs off the streets. The teacher said that, that uh, as far as he's concerned, that uh, legislation was in place to get these off the streets. The Garda Commission said that he's enough resources. I just can't understand what's going on here at the moment. Is. Like, uh, like, these hundred thugs or so are holding the, of Drogheda to ransom. We're going to have to get some kind of legislation at the moment, is, whether, whether it gets the assets or not. You look back, when, when, when this economy 
was going bad, the government wasn't too long introducing the universal social charge. I think it's very important going forward is that we have to introduce, even though even though the teacher said the legislation is there to sort out these thugs, the Garda Commission said that, that he's enough resources, there's something simply wrong here at the moment is. These hundred or so thugs mm. have to be taken off the streets. Like, the fear and the, and the bad press that Jordan is getting at the moment, they don't deserve it. Decent people in Jordan okay. deserve a bit of a bit of Okay, I'll try and get uh, some... Answers to those questions uh, from retired uh, Detective Inspector Pat Murray, who's going to speak to us in a, a moment. But thank you for coming in to us uh, this morning, sitting TD and independent candidate in uh, the Louth constituency in uh, the general election, Peter Fitzpatrick. Thank you, Michael. Michael at lmfm.ie. The Michael Reed Show. Now to some of uh, those questions uh, about uh, policing uh, the ongoing gangland feud between uh, the drugs gangs in uh, the Drogheda area. Pat Murray is somebody who will be well known to many people listening to us as a, a detective inspector who was working in uh, the Louth Garda Division since retired. He has written a, a book about his many years of experience in uh, this uh, division of Ongarda Siakana, the making of a detective. He joins us now and a very good morning to you Pat and uh, thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning. I'm sure you've been watching the recent developments with as much interest if not more than most people. What do you make of what's going on? Yeah well it's a terrible situation and, and it's sad to see that let's say Drogheda is getting uh, stained like Limerick was like in respect of uh, you know which Drogheda people don't deserve and um like I lived in Drogheda for 10, 15 years and I was stationed in Dundalk and the last 10 years I was a detective inspector um, in, 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 the, in the division and uh, I came across a lot of these uh, young people now who have grown up and have got into the criminality in, a, in, a, in, a, in greater detail, let's say. And uh, I knew some of the, t- the, 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 the top players there from my time in Balbriggan because some of those people involved were in Balbriggan at the time and they have moved um, uh, out of Balbriggan. And I remember at the, that particular time while I was a sergeant in Balbriggan, uh, I could see one particular side of these gangs working big. And I put in place an operation that took uh, approximately three years to come to fruition to see who we could take down the, the, this gang that was uh, uh, developing in Balbriggan and we were very successful in that we were, with the help of the Criminal Assets Bureau we brought down one of the gangs and we recovered 250,000 in, um, in 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 cash that they had in bank accounts and various uh, locations and I remember searching one particular house and the bank books were, were sellotaped into the back of uh, picture frames hanging in the hall mm. so like we, we, we were very successful with them bringing that and it slowed up that gang altogether but now obviously they have rejuvenated and are back on the scene and they, they are one of the main parties in some, this, of the, uh, so, so, some of the people involved in this are, are very young quite a, a few of them in their late teens uh, and uh, a large number of them in their early 20s that's it, and and uh, it was quite evident to me when I was uh, um, uh, presenting court in Drada, uh, you know, on a Tuesday, we'd have a juvenile day, and uh, the amount of juveniles that would have been coming before the courts. Now, in all fairness to the judge at the time, Fran Brennan, he was very, very 
good at giving every young person a chance and actually give them more than one or two chances to see if they could mend their ways. But you could see it in certain uh, juveniles that they were hell-bent on, mm. you know, not taking any chances and they were going to go to jail and they were, they were the hard men. And but, some of those now are involved in, mm. in, in these gangs, you know. Yeah, and when you, so, when you, uh, see, when you see kids uh, as ruthless and as evil... Uh, and as murderous as they are, you have to wonder: Do you reap what you sow? Uh, and wh- what what uh, resulted in this? Uh, is this uh, of our own making? Could we have intervened earlier? Could we have stopped it from happening? I mean, we hear a lot of talk about community yeah. policing yeah. and addiction yeah. services, yeah. for example. Yeah. Well, look, uh, I I'd say my part now, and I can tell you: Is there a solution to this problem? There, there is a solution. But it needs a societal uh, approach. Uh, can the guards uh, produce the goods? Uh, yes, they can. And uh, after the murder of uh, Tony Golden in in, in Dundalk, uh, where we we were the police with manpower, we struggling to to make ends meet. Um, uh, we were influxed then, of course, guard management threw a lot of manpower into Dundalk via temporary transfers. So I was left with a, 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 we were left with a situation where we had a lot of manpower then in Dundalk. And as a result of that, uh, we set up an operation called Operation Scale, which was a intelligence-led operation to identify the gangs that were operating in Dundalk district, which mm. we did. And as a result of the operation, we targeted each gang and we used everything at our disposal within Angarda Shea to do that. Uh, including checkpoints, 24 hours, uh, just outside Dundalk mm. and on the border with the help of the uh, our support unit. And uh, as a result of that, we, we cut crime uh, by 30%, all crime down by 30%. Mm. And in particular, uh, we um, reduced the amount of burglaries by 45% in a 12-month period while that operation was running. Mm. We also uh, recovered... Uh, just over a million euros worth of in respect of property, cash, drugs, mm. uh, firearms, and which was a hugely successful operation and is a blueprint for any uh, Garda division or any Garda district to take on. And I cannot mm. understand it for the life of me how it's not been utilised. Mm. Well, you say uh, this as one of the most uh, experienced uh, policemen in uh, the country and uh, one of uh, the most successful in cracking some of the worst crimes that have taken place, uh, not just in this part of the world, but uh, in this country. But uh, you'd have to wonder, uh, as I was saying, how did we get here and could we have prevented it from happening if there was community policing in place, for example? I mean, what, well, we're, ta- what we're talking about now is the resources uh, and giving the resources yes. to do that sort of job. But a little bit like a, a fire. I mean, if you've got uh, fire detectors or alarms in place, perhaps you can stop the fire from happening rather than yeah. sending the but fire brigade around when the house is burnt down. That's right. If you have a policing plan, an operation that shows the results, I have done it. I have, the operation scale was hugely successful. Mm. And we had the manpower to do it and we had the support of the armed support unit. And we had a whole uh, incident room running the day-to-day uh, aspects of Operation Scale. We targeted the, the, the criminal gangs and we broke them up and we locked them up. 
We also uh, had a, an undercover unit working on the streets buying drugs from drug dealers and we were able to identify 25 of those people and we arrested them and we got them all locked up for nine months. So what I'm saying is that there was a huge success and on the checkpoints we looked, we, uh, I initiated a, a, a poster uh, campaign or a leaflet campaign where we, we spoke to the people on checkpoints and said, look, we're here to do our best, we need help from the public uh, to cooperate with us and uh, intelligence did start coming in. What about and different legislation? What about the idea of uh, draconian measures such as internment or, or trial through the Special Criminal Court or, or the legislation that Fianna Fáil has been talking about which would criminalise using young people to sell drugs for you? Yeah, well that's that's all grand and dandy but what young chap is going to get up and make a statement he says I'm selling drugs for Mr mm. A or Mr B he just won't do it. Okay, but what about uh, the likes of internment? Or, or, internment, or, um, absolutely not. So that was uh, our fault out in the north, mm. and we saw what happened there. Absolutely, you can't take people's rights from them like that. Like, you just can't do it. Like, But uh, certainly, if, if you, and I, I allude to it in my book in respect of sentencing and that type of thing, you know, uh, and the penalties, uh, you know, I, I, like, I, and I'm specifically there talking about murders, like, you know, mm. if you commit murder and it's premeditated and you're caught and convicted, you should never get out, ever. And that's it. And I think that would be a deterrent in ways. Um, there, there's a whole, like, different um, view and analysis on sentencing of juvenile people, like, mm. you know, so, like, uh, juvenile, like, in our societies, anyone under 18 years of age. So, like, if you have someone who is 17 and 18 and they commit a murder mm. and they're both convicted, like, the 18-year-old will be sent to prison for a mandatory sentence of life, it says. But the 17-year-old will be left on a different uh, okay. aspect. All right. We, 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 know, Pat, we know, Pat, that three people have been killed uh, uh, directly linked uh, to the Drogheda feud, possibly five if you take Willie Mohan and his girlfriend Anna mm-hmm. into account uh, as well. Uh, but that could only be the tip of the iceberg when you read that 40 people have gone to ground as a result of this. Uh, and this could be just simmering over as bad and all as it is. Uh, for the people who have gone this far down the line, where they've gone to the point where they're killing other people, is it too late or can they be brought back somehow? No, 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 no. You, you have that uh, horrendous crime there last mm. week or that, and, and uh, the Guardian had made sufficient inroads from what I can read in newspapers and gather that they will be successful in bringing people before the courts. Um, uh, I still believe that if you have a system of policing and it's properly manned and properly resourced, that it will will uh, reap rewards, and I would have the utmost faith in uh, Chief Superintendent Christy Mangan. He's uh, an exceptional policeman and the best if, uh, policeman in respect of investigations in the force at the moment. And uh, he's a man solid and uh, very good at making decisions and moving things forward. And um, I think the people of Drogheda uh, mm-hmm. and uh, are lucky that they have a man of that quality. Uh, in charge uh, at the moment, you know. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I I would say that like you, you do like Operation Scale ran for twelve months, and it was hugely successful. And we're bringing it on to such a stage, like we really put a lot of thought into it. Just for example, uh, when we reduced the burglaries down to forty five percent, we said we wanted to reduce that even more. We analysed where these burglaries were 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 occurring, and then what we did is. Um, 
we, we, we analysed that if, if a certain estate, they had burglaries at certain times, and we put foot patrols out in the, those estates at those times, and we even reduced them further. So, like, what I'm saying is that um, there are systems of pricing out there that do work, okay. and uh, it, but they, yet again, they have to be resourced, and it costs money. Now, after the 12 months of, of operation scale, uh, the members who had come on temporary transfer were sent back to their own stations, and the funding was pulled for the operation, and that was it. So it stopped. So uh, it was free for all again for criminals, like because that was it. Like, it, uh, right. okay, so, Pat. Uh, you know, okay, but, uh, I've run out of time. Said, but yeah, but I just said that the, the Gardaí Indra had a, a very dedicated, and the, the guys that I mm. worked with are still there. And I, I, and, I think they uh, have the support I, of all of the people. I think that will be yeah, evident yeah. on Saturday yeah. when everybody, uh, those uh, who rely on the police force and the police force uh, itself, yeah. will stand together uh, in solidarity. Pat, I have to leave it there. I am out of time, but thank you indeed for your time. Pat Murray is a retired detective inspector. He was based in the Loud Garda division, and you can read about his experiences as a Garda in the making of a detective. Michael at lmfm.ie The Michael Reed Show. Now to another of our getting to know you one-to-one interviews with uh, general election candidates. Uh, Johnny Girk is a Meath County Councillor and uh, candidate in uh, the general election for Sinn Féin in Meath West. He's on the line with us and good morning to you Johnny and thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning. Maybe you'd begin by telling us why people should vote Johnny Girk number one. Well, Michael, my last um, five years on the Mid County Council, like I've worked hard, I've made a difference to every area that I represented, all the way from Bradcarn, at Bay, Old Castle, Kilallan, Kilskia, across the Kiel, all those small areas that never got a penny before I went into the council. You know yourself, I led the roads issue and funding to the Kells area since I went to in, into the council has increased by six million over the lifetime of the last council. So these, these issues, Michael, and uh, lots of other issues that I want to work on, if I, if I can get the support of the people of Mead West. But why would you fare better uh, if elected to the Dáil than you would uh, uh, as a sitting councillor? Well, Michael, like, there's things like um, the, the railway line from Navan to Dublin has to be, um, that has to be fought for and that's going to um, help people all over all over uh, Mead West and um, it, it's, it's crucial to the environment and it's crucial uh, taking people out of their cars and you know, the fight against climate change, reduced carbon economy, um, you know, the quality of life, saving daily commuters time and it allows more time with family and, um, you know, the, the, the funding to the, council, to the council from central government, Michael, has to be tackled. Like, um, we're losing out to the tune of 74 million a year because we're not getting a fair share. You can imagine, like, what that would do for housing, for roads, for mm. communities facilities for um, playgrounds for all, all the stuff Michael that I'm listening to every day like I'm out in place in Longwood the other day no playground um, you know uh, yesterday we were in Kildaki no playground in Kildaki so th- these are the reasons Michael that there's no playgrounds in these areas because um, Mead's not getting a fair share of anything you, you were on there Michael all, all morning there about the Gardaí like you mm-hmm. know you know yourself the story with the guards with mm-hmm. the lowest number of guards in the country like per head of population I suppose a lot of people heard Micheál Martin and Leo Vradker talking last night about how they wouldn't work with Sinn Féin. Do you believe them? 
I don't, Michael, no, because um, talking about myself, Michael, I'd work with anybody, Michael, to make things better for the people for of, of Mead West and, and not forgetting Northwest Mead. So, Michael, I'd work with anybody. It doesn't matter who, Michael, if I can make things better for the people that elected me. And that's what I intend to do, Michael. And you know yourself, Michael, as somebody said earlier in the programme, if, if Sinn Féin come back with 30 seats, they can't form a government without them. So, like, you know, they, this is all in the hands of the people, you know, so um, that they're going to determine, Michael, who forms the government, not, not Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil. But you'd be happy to implement Fine Gael policies or Fianna Fáil policies if, for example, you could get the Navin rail line up and running? Michael, we'll, we'll sit down with anybody. We'll do our best to get our policies implemented. We, we, we know we, if you sit down with anybody, you have to negotiate. But we will negotiate and we will be going in with nobody unless we can negotiate the policies that we want to implement. And um, Sinn Féin is well known for that. They, they will negotiate. They have compromised on lots of things and we, we will do that. But we will, we will fight for the people that elect us. But would you see it as the perfect match, Sinn Féin and Fine Gael? No, I would say, Michael, a left-wing government, that's a perfect match. But mm. um, whether that will happen or not, that's in the hands of the people. Um, what, what's going to happen, Michael, nobody knows. Mm. But it, it's most likely the opposition benches uh, for anybody from Sinn Féin who is elected, is it not, Johnny? Well, I don't think so, Michael. It, we, we're going to sit down um, with whoever whoever is voted in after the election and... Um, like. To, to predetermine that, Michael, I don't think it's fair on the electorate. Like, I was, I was out there now, Michael, yesterday, and I was talking to an, eight, an 82-year-old woman who mm. voted Fine Gael all her life. She told me, Michael, that she's voting Sinn Féin for the first time ever. I spoke to another man, Michael, yesterday, who said um, that he didn't vote in 15 years, and he signed on the register a couple of weeks ago to vote for Sinn Féin in the election. Okay. All, all the young people, Michael, are coming in behind us. So, but Michael, I, we could be the party, Michael, that could be leading the next government. But are all the Sinn Féin voters in Mead West not going to vote in two, Michael. That's up to themselves. They can. Um, uh, we 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 have put our stall out there. I'm known as a hard worker, Michael. I don't tell lies. I will mm. tell you the truth. I'll fight me corner, and I I've put the, my trust in the people of Midwest. And it's no, my job, Michael. It's my job, Michael, to keep the Sinn Féin seat in Midwest. But the, the only difference between you and Patrick Tobin is abortion, is it not, Michael? That that. I'm running on a Sinn Féin ticket, Michael. Mm. I'm not running an on, onto ticket. I'm running, Michael, for the Sinn Féin seat that's in Midwest, that the like of Joe Riley and, and, and hundreds of activists who, who worked hard to win that seat for Sinn Féin. They're the people I'm running for, Michael, on behalf of them. And, and Michael, uh, Joe Riley was the person, Michael, who built up Sinn Féin and Mead, Michael. And, and I remember him, Michael, and, and it's people like him that motivate me to, to go for, these, for this job. Mm. And I wouldn't dispute that for a second, uh, but Pater Tobin has taken ownership of it. Has he not taken it uh, away from Sinn Féin? Ownership of what, Michael? Of that Sinn Féin seat, of that Sinn Féin vote. <clears throat> Michael, I'm out on the day, morning, noon and night, Michael. The people, Michael, that I'm meeting is voting Sinn Féin. And, and Michael, with you, you can come back to me, Michael, after the election mm-hmm. and you can, you can tell me what the people done. But every person, Michael, I, the, the support we are getting on the doors, Michael, is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And that's a vote for Sinn Féin, Michael, and it's a vote for me that the people give, put their trust in me for, for the seat in Mead West. OK, but you'll be battling for that seat against Patrick Tobin. I'm sure you'd accept that at a, at a minimum, Johnny. Michael, I'll be battling for either of the three seats. 
I don't particularly care which one of the three seats I get, Michael. Okay. I'll take I'll take either of them. Mm, all right, we have to leave it there, Johnny. But thank you indeed uh, for joining us here on the program this morning. Johnny Girk is a Mead County Councillor and a candidate uh, for Sinn Fein in Mead West. He brings our program to its conclusion today. God willing, we'll see you for our next program tomorrow morning at nine a.m. right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye bye. The Michael Reed Show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.